0: Shabbat Shalom. How's everybody doing today? Good? Awesome. Well, I know we have a ton of people on family vacation this week. Uh, There's uh, some people at some sort of ladies' retreat as well. And so I know we're going to be a little light in-house this week, but we might be a little light in numbers, but we're not going to be light in spirit. So, and we're not going to be light in joy. 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 Okay, nobody else is awake yet. That's okay. There's free coffee out at the welcome bar for all of you. Um, so Shabbat Shalom. Uh, gonna go over a couple of housekeeping announcements for you guys. Uh we might be a little bit light this week, but next week and the week after that, we are definitely not. Uh, we've got Camp Yeshua is uh starting a week from tomorrow. As you can hear, one team is definitely very excited about that. Uh, Next week brings uh, our brother Rico Cortez. He will be here as our guest speaker. Uh, the week after that, we will have Matthew Vanderels, and we will have a lot of families in uh, in town for Camp Yeshua. So. A lot of people coming in for that. I think we have uh, 325, 330, something like that who are going to be coming in. So not all of them will be here with us for Shabbat uh, next week or the week after, but we definitely will have some guests. So please uh, bring some extra food for own eggs, stuff like that, so that we can be very hospitable on the Sabbath to our traveling uh, neighbors and traveling guests. Um, it's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm super excited to hear both Rico and Matthew teach Um, today we've got Daniel Musson doing our main message. Ephraim's going to be doing our first five. You two are a little biased too. It's like having two moms sitting there. It's like, that's okay though. It's always good for moms to root on their, on their children. So we've got Rob Woodruff who's here to lead us uh, in worship this week. Um, want to let you know, uh, that, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, I'm going to keep hitting on that one Uh, because there is over 600 people who are already registered. It is a limited amount of space in the campground. Um, Feast of Tabernacles registration is open. Uh, The Hanukkah registration is open. Once again, there's going to be a Hanukkah conference here uh, this year. I think last year we sold out pretty quickly. We fully anticipate that as well, obviously, with having a limited uh, amount of seats. Uh, Rico Cortez will be here for, for both Feast of Tabernacles and for Hanukkah. So uh, check out in the bulletin the information on that. Make sure you reserve your positions for that. Um, and then uh, we're going to have information on Shavuot coming up too. I mean, like this, it's just cyclical. Everything continues to go round and round. The Lord is always moving, always working. Uh, the next youth gathering is going to be the 19th of July. So that is not... Next week, it is not the week after that because that's Camp Yeshua week. It is the week after that. That'll be here uh, in Moore, well, Moore Norman area um, at the Ophel's place. Uh, So see more information in the bulletin on that. I want to remind all of the men that the men's prayer breakfast for July has been canceled. It's too close to camp. We'll have a lot of other things going on. So the next men's prayer breakfast is going to be in August. Uh, However, the ladies' prayer gathering is going to be the 29th of July at the Frickers home. So if you would like to uh, join into that time uh, and be a part of that gathering, great fellowship, great prayer, please see Roxanne uh, about that, and uh, she'll get you all the information and the address and all that is in, in our bulletin as well. So Uh, Let's go ahead, let's stand up, let's greet one another. Uh, It's a beautiful Shabbat, and we're going to go ahead and get right into a a time of praise, a time of worship, and uh, start our service off.
1: Shabbat shalom, everyone. Uh, Welcome, let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for this time to gather together with friends and family, just to let your presence dwell here. This day, Lord, just let your presence be here. Keep our friends and family there traveling. Keep them safe. Let them all be blessed, Father. Uh, in Yeshua's name we pray. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses' righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trials Of famine and darkness and sorrow We are the voice in the desert crying, Prepare the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. So lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, and out of the Zion. the dry bones becoming as flesh and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise and these are the days of the harvest the fields are wide So believe extravagant your friendship, your friendship intimate I find I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place Your fragrance is intoxicating In our secret place Your love Is extravagant Spread wide In the arms of Messiah Is the love that covers sin No greater love Have I ever known you consider me a friend? Spread wide in the arms of Messiah is the love that covers sin. No greater love have I ever known you consider me a friend again Capture my heart 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 again. Capture my heart. Capture my heart again. Capture my heart And these are the days of Elijah. Declare. To proclaim peace, shalom, salvation.
2: Baruch
1: haba, b'shem Adonai. Baruch haba, b'shem Adonai. Oh, how lovely are the feet of Him bringing the good news on the mountain to proclaim the shallow salvation. Baruch. The king of Israel is coming again, the time to turn to him is now, get on your knees and call on his name you'll be saved yes you will be saved Call on the name yes you call on the name yes you call on the name won't you call on the name call on the name yes your God is king Call on the name, Yeshua, call on the name, Yeshua, call on the name, Yeshua, your God is king. is the god of israel elders bow and worship as the angel voices swell fragrant clouds of incense swirl around the throne of grace lord we bow in worship at the brilliance of your face we cry holy, the song that heaven sings all creation praise him hallelujah elohim come to reign forever king of kings and lord of lords lift your head o zion open wide you ancient doors and cry the I need the hand i David, hear my cry, son of David. Hear my cry. I cannot be silent. My savior's walking. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. Amen.
3: So I cry, Yeshua. That was the cry of the blind man. Heard that Yeshua was walking by. Without hesitation, he cried out for Yeshua. And Yeshua heard his cry and he healed him. That's the power of prayer. I'm going to look around and mention some things for us this morning to pray for. Uh, Eric and Hannah are in the process of adopting some children, and there's a minor hang-up that that needs to be resolved, and so we need to pray. Those involved in making those decisions, which should be on Monday, uh, will make the right decision and give them that opportunity to adopt some children. So we need to pray for Eric, and Hannah. And we want to thank uh, the Lord for bringing the Fricker's grandson. He's here. He came in on Thursday. He flew in all by himself. Seven years old. Is that right? So make sure you say hi to him. From Puerto Rico, right? right? That's a long flight by yourself. So that's great to have him here. And it's, I assume, Virginia, that Estelle got home okay. Her sister was here for her 50th high school reunion last week. 60th. I'm sorry, 60th. I didn't want to make her any older than... Me. Just because my high school is having our 70th birthday this weekend doesn't mean anything. Anyway, all right. I'm glad she got home okay. And the Amoses are back from California, from the land of fruits and nuts. So we're glad to see them back. So, and how's your mom? No, who has it had the surgery on her? okay, Karen. How's she doing? Okay, so she's doing fine. Okay, good, Karen. We need to keep praying for recovery for her. And Daniel, how'd the training go last week? How's your job? Good. So we can praise God that for the job that Daniel has. Am I missing anything? Any Anybody have anything else? Real quick? Okay. A lot to pray for this morning. Uh, a lot of the ladies are down at what I call a, a, a an advance. I don't like the word retreat because that means you're moving backwards. So uh, they're down, there, Lake Texoma. So some of us guys are learning how to dress ourselves by ourselves again and cook our own meals and do those kinds of things. So pray for us. Pray for the ladies that are down there this weekend. That God will bless their time down there. All right, so I'm going to give you all a few minutes to pray, and then I'll close this. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your answers to prayers. As we come before you this morning, acknowledge the fact that you are holy. Thank you. Pray this morning for the rest of the service, for those who are bringing the messages. Thank you for the time that we've had to praise you, and thank you for Rod leading us. We ask now that you would open up our hearts and our minds that we might draw closer to you this morning, that the words that we hear this morning might minister to us. Might bring us into a closer relationship with you and help us to walk in a manner that is worthy. So we thank you for this time, Father, and we commit this to you. In His name.
4: Let's go ahead and bring up the kids, and we'll offer a blessing upon them this week. Lord always blesses us abundantly with all the beautiful children that we have in our fellowship and our congregation. Each week we want to pour out a blessing upon our children, knowing that they are our future and that they are a great grace and unmerited favor that comes from the Lord. All right, let us go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you. On this Sabbath day, and we thank you for each and every one of the children that are here before us, Lord. Father, we may we look at them, Lord, and may we learn how to be faithful to you. In the same way that they are faithful when they look up to their the eyes of their mothers and their fathers. Father, may we learn from them to look to you, our Heavenly Father, and be faithful to you. We know that this is the future. This is our future generations, Lord. May we always speak your words into them. May we teach them to walk uprightly before you, teaching them your mitzvot, your commandments, Lord. May we share with them the stories of old that they may learn all of those principles, Lord. May we always remember to share with them the greatest story ever told, Lord, of your son and his salvation. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have poured into us, into this fellowship and into our families. May you encourage the mothers and the fathers, Lord, as we raise up this next generation. Give us the words to say, give us your wisdom to speak life into them. For any of the elders and the parents who have an opportunity to speak to these children, may we always speak life into them. May you make the sons to be as Ephraim and Manasseh, make them fruitful and multiply as they grow to one day be leaders of their own families and maybe even leaders of another congregation. May you bless the daughters to be as Ruth and as Esther, Lord, and may your words of kindness and your mitzvot always be upon their lips, for they are righteous daughters of Zion. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one of our children, Lord. We thank you for protecting them, keeping them safe, healing them when they get sick. For we are encouraged, Lord, by our children, Lord. and We thank you for the wonderful blessings that you give to us in our families. So may you lift up your face upon them, may you lift up your countenance upon them, and give them peace on this Sabbath day. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. This week's Torah portion is... Balak, there we go. Somebody, somebody read their bulletin. We have the Torah portion of Balak this week. Comes from the book of Numbers. Balak, we call him in the English. When I said that, my wife was like, "Yackety yack, don't Balak." That's what she said, just right out the top of her head. When you come up with those little things, Balak was a Moabite king that uh, was not a good dude. He was an enemy of Israel. And instead of, he, he was a king of Moab, the children of Israel, their final destination wasn't to dwell in the land of Moab. They were headed to the promised land, to the land of Canaan. If Balak had been smart, he might have sent messengers of peace to the, the Israelites and just say, hey, what are you guys doing in my land? And they said, we're just passing through. We're trying to get to the promised land. Oh, okay. He didn't do that. Instead, he was an enemy of Israel and he just wanted to, he was jealous of what they had, that they had a God in their midst and they had been they had just conquered, basically they left Egypt, the world power at the time, left them in waste and are traveling through the, the wilderness. And this King Balak, he, I believe there was jealousy in, in his heart and he wanted what they had. He was envious of the children of Israel. He wanted to conquer them. He was at least to, at least to his credit, he was smart enough to know that he couldn't just go and just start a war and just physically put an army together and go and fight them. He was smart enough to know that that wasn't going to work. He knew there was a God in their midst. So what he did instead was he called for this one guy named Balaam, who was a prophet, as the Scripture says. And he called him and he, he goes and he's like, I'm going to pay you to come and curse the children of Israel because we can't, we, I can't defeat them with an army, with a brute force. I need you to spiritually curse them so that then I can defeat them. So to his credit... He did know this was a spiritual war, not just a physical war. That's about the only good thing, maybe, or the smart thing that Balak knew. Otherwise, this guy was a bad guy. Most of our portion, though, is about this man named Balaam. He was a prophet for hire. He speaks in in our Torah portion, he speaks to God. God, Yod He Vav He, God, the Almighty Creator of Heaven and Earth, actually speaks to this man. Yet he also, he he was a he was a diviner. He was a he was someone who. We believe, you know, catered to pretty much any other god or any other temple. Whoever had the money to pay him, he would do the service of. And he was called a prophet. Our portion continues on, starting in, in uh, chapter 22 of Numbers, and continues on all the way through the first part of chapter 25. Talks about this man named Balaam. Now, long story short, what happens is Balaam gets hired. He goes, and he, he, God says, you can go, but you're only going to speak my words. You're not going to curse the children of Israel. Instead, you're going to bless them. So four times Balaam opens his mouth to curse the children of Israel, but what comes out is instead a blessing. This was to the chagrin of Balak, who hired him to curse him, and instead he blesses him. And when it's all said and done, we have a great, powerful testimony of how God can transform even the enemies of Israel who intend to speak curses, can transform those words into blessings. Blessings. Now Balaam, even though he spoke to God, even though he did pronounce blessings over the children of Israel, he wasn't a good dude either. At the end of our portion, what we find out is he left counsel with Balak and says, "Well, I can't curse him, you can't curse him, but what you can do is you can make the children of Israel curse themselves by committing fornication and idolatry. And so in next week's portion, we have the continuation of that story, and that's exactly what happened. But the thing that I want to point out is this, is this man named Balaam was called a prophet. A prophet. When we hear the word prophet, what we immediately think is we think, oh, that's somebody who gives prophecy. Sometimes the first, at first blush we hear the word prophet and we might think, oh, that's somebody who says something profound and, and predicts the future of something that's going to happen in the future. This gift of prophecy, of things of a prophetic nature, or all these things that are going to happen in the future. That's not entirely true according to the biblical definition of a prophet. A prophet is somebody who speaks the words of God. Somebody God speaks to him, tells him, you need to go to this people and you need to say this. Whatever that thing that is said is the word of God. Sometimes that's a word of blessing. It's to give a word of encouragement. It's a word from God and I'm going to bless you with this. That's the work of a prophet. Sometimes it's a word of warning. That you're to go to a king and then say, if you don't fix your behavior, you have iniquity in you, if you don't do this, then curses will come upon you, then this will happen. And that's where that's pretty common, and that's where we get the idea that a prophet predicts the future because he tells the king, this is going to happen, and then it comes, then it happens. But really, what it was originally was a word of warning to the king. So it could be a word of warning, it could be a word of encouragement. But whatever it is, it's the word of God. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 gives us the listing of the spiritual gifts that God gives and grants to his people. And this is where we get the teaching about the fivefold ministry. That sometimes gifts are given to people, and sometimes it's a gift to be an apostle, to be a pastor, to be a teacher, to be an evangelist, or to be a prophet. There's this, and that's where we get the idea of this fivefold ministry. The work of a prophet is a spiritual gift that is given, upon, given to somebody by God. It's granted to somebody. The gift of being a prophet, just like those other gifts. So, in fact, what it often is is that people have to be called to do any of those services. Somebody can't walk up and say, I am going to be a pastor. What happens truly is in someone's heart, God gives somebody the gift to be a pastor and to shepherd a fellowship or a congregation, and they give them that gift to do that work. And some people are very gifted to do that work and to be a pastor. The people that stand up and declare themselves to be a pastor, they stand up. They very quickly, if they are not truly called to do that service or to do that work, you will find that out very quickly. They won't do that work. They won't do it well. The people in their fellowship congregation won't feel like they're taken care of, as a pastor should do for his fellowship or his congregation. The same goes for all of the other gifts. You can't stand up and just say, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be an evangelist, I'm going to be a teacher. No, that is a gift that has to be bestowed upon you by God. It's a gift, and being a prophet is just like one of those things. If you somebody walks into a fellowship or a congregation and walks in immediately and says, "I have called myself," I've been called to be a prophet. You just immediately declare what work and what job you're supposed you're going to do. The people will look at you and be like, "Who is this guy? What does this guy think, think he's doing?" It's like because that work that is done, usually you get given a title. A title is bestowed upon you. You don't just get to immediately declare yourself to be something. You usually do that work first, and because it's a gift given to you, and then you just, it's a natural thing that you do, and that's a service that you do. Now, with every gift that has been given to the people, whatever spiritual gift, it can be used for good, it can also be used for evil. You can misuse a gift that has been given to you. It's the same way with our children. You give them a gift, you give them a toy sword. My son, Titus, he loves swords. He walks around with a sword and a shield all day long. Big foam sword that we give into him. He's cute. He's hilarious when he's running around with a sword and shield and we're playing, we're having fun, doing sword fights or whatever. However, and we can have some fun with that, at the same time, he can take that sword and he can run up to one of his sisters and he can just swat him right across the face. At that point, we would go to Titus and we would take that sword that was a gift given to him and we would take that gift away. Because he misused the gift that was given to him. In the same way, every spiritual gift that is given to us can be taken away by the one who gave it to us. By God. Especially if we misuse that gift. Balaam in our story was a prophet. He was given the gift of prophecy to be able to speak the word of God. But he misused it. He used it for profit. He used it for financial gain. He realized that it's like, oh, I can be, I can speak the word of God and I can, I can be hired by other people to come and say, hey, come. What, what does the world word say? Well, there's a fee. Okay, we'll pay you this. Tell us the word of God. Oh, this is a pretty good system right here. Put my name out here, and I'm going to be hired for that purpose. There are modern day Bums among us today. People that have been given there there have been evangelists and televangelists and all kinds of people that have been given the gift to speak the word of God or to, or to be a, an evangelist or to be a pastor, to do all these things. But with all of those gifts, they can be misused. And you can probably think of somebody that you've either seen on TV or maybe a pastor of an old church or somebody who has misused the gift that God has given to them for financial gain, just like Balaam did. When it's all said and done... Those gifts are taken from those people. They, people have a fall, whatever it is, but those gifts can be misused. We have to pay attention and make sure that any gift, spiritual gift that has been given to us, that we don't misuse it, that we use it as God intended it to be used. When God gives us a word, if you do the work or the service of a prophet and you have a word to speak to somebody, you have to give the word that God has given to you, share that, and it's not for your gain, it's not for your benefit. The Word belongs to God. It's not yours. The gift was given to you, and then it's given to you so that you give it to somebody else. Don't look at any skill or gift that has been given to you and think that you're going to use it to just gain income, uh, uh, financial gain, try to get something a little on the side with it. No, it belongs to God. It's a gift that's been given to you so that you can minister to somebody else. This is my other counsel, because a lot of us, some people might think what their spiritual gift is and might know what that spiritual gift is. Don't stand up, like I said, stand up and say, you have this gift and you are giving it to somebody. Whenever you receive a really nice gift from somebody, a really nice one, is it good to go and just proclaim to everybody that you got a brand new car. Hey, I somebody gave me this incredible gift, and, 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 and see, look at it. it you go and you, you you brag about it to everybody. Is it good for you to do that? Of course not. So when you've been given a spiritual gift by God, and maybe you know what that gift is, don't stand up and don't be bragging that you have that gift. Just use it. Use it for good. Do what you're supposed to do, because among us, I believe that people have been given spiritual gifts among us, and there are apostles among us, and pastors among us, and evangelists, and prophets, and teachers among us. Don't stand up and declare yourself to be that title. Just do the work. Just use the gift that God has given you and do that work in that service. In the same way that if you receive a precious gift, don't go back. Blabbing it to everybody and proclaiming all of these things because then that invokes a spirit of jealousy. That invokes other people to, to, to just, I don't want to work with you. if you're gonna be, Because some people, because of all those gifts, sometimes one is more needed in a certain area than others, and so then it causes people to think one is more important than the other. Either way, just do the work. Just use the spiritual gifts that God has given you for good. For your fellow brother. You can know in your heart what that gift is, but just do that work, do that service. Minister to the people, minister to the brethren. Don't misuse it, because if you misuse it, it can be taken from you. We don't want to be another Balaam. Instead, we want to be the people of God, called by God, a kingdom of priests, holy before God, and serving Him in all the ways that He's called us to serve. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord for the teachings and instructions from your Torah portions, Lord, even when we see the testimonies of sinners, Lord, and mistakes that people have made. Though you give gifts to everyone, Lord, not everyone is of you and do your work and do your service. Father, may we learn from the testimonies of sinners and those that have come before us, Lord, that we might be edified, that we might be encouraged, that we might know how to properly serve you and serve your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for the spiritual gifts that you've given you. We thank you, Lord, for putting people in our midst, Lord, to encourage and speak to the brethren, to pray for the brethren, to pray for one another, to encourage and uplift, to share your word. We thank you for every person in our midst that might have that gift to share with the people. Father, we thank you for being among us. Choosing us from among all peoples. But may we always remain humble, Lord, knowing you. You are sovereign. You are king. We serve you. And we only speak the word that you would have us to serve. Sometimes, Lord, you do meet our needs. You take care of us. But may, may we never look for additional gain, financial gain, or any other additional benefits, Lord, that would contribute to the greed of man. So, Father, we love you. We bless you and thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives, for this service, for this congregation, for everyone here. Thank you for your Shabbat, your day of rest, and for all the blessings you give to us. We give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. It's in your Son, Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Daniel Musson.
5: B'chalom. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this opportunity you've given us today to meet together, to walk, to halak our faith with one another. We ask, Father, that you would guide the next few minutes, help us to uh, say the words you want want us to say, to hear the words you want us to hear, to be the people you want us to be. We surrender this time to you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Good to see your smiling faces here today. Uh, good to see Nathaniel amongst us today. Yes, and and of course Nathaniel's grandparents are here as well. So good to see them. Yes. So uh, as uh, as Ephraim was talking about this uh, week's parashah is Balak. Okay, and um, there's some very interesting things that take place in this this parasha. See what happens is, of course, as Ephraim already laid out, uh, this this king of Moab, he comes and he says, um, uh, there's a bunch of people uh, that are about to enter my land. I need to do something about this. So to try and soften up their defenses, so to speak, he goes and he hires this guy named Balak. and Because Balak is known as a prophet. And so he goes to, to Balak, sends messengers to him and says, how much will it take to get you to prophesy over them, so that I will have victory, and they will be uh, defeated, okay, so, um, or this is rather for uh, this man named Bilam, and so this, this prophet Bilam he then, uh, you know, goes through this negotiation process, uh, lots of details involved here, the Lord told him, no, he says, but please, but please, but please, and the Lord says, all right, fine, but I only speak the words I say to you, okay, so, so then Bilam says, okay, I'll go, And so what happens is Balak brings him up to uh, these different locations to look over the children of Israel and to utter these, you know, these prophecies. And so, of course, what Bilam does each time is he says, "Okay, set up so many sacrifices and and go through this process. And then and then I will, uh, you know, utter these words. And each time that he does this, and this happens three times each time, he utters these words of blessing. Over the children of Israel. As he is looking over the encampment of Israel, he utters these words of blessing when he was hired to curse them, okay? And of course, Balak is like, what are you doing? You're supposed to curse them! And Balaam is essentially, look, I can only say what I can say because the Lord has told me I can only do what he says that I can do, okay? Now, ironic Because this is a man who, there's no indication whatsoever that he actually followed Adonai. okay, Um, And yet he understood the power of Adonai and followed that instruction. And then, of course, we see later on in Scripture, as we keep on digging, that it it seems to indicate, according to some clues we have in Scripture, that Bilam was actually the one who gave the advice to the uh, people of Moab which we will see next week, to send in their daughters to corrupt the men of Israel. Okay, It seems that that was Balaam's suggestion. After he is not successful in being able to curse, and Balak comes down on him and says, wait, I paid you this money, it would appear from the story, if you gather all the clues, that Balaam says, well, um, you know, I wasn't able to say anything against them because, I don't know, I kept me from doing so, but here's what you can do. Send your daughters in there, and corrupt the men, and then get them to follow your gods, and that way they won't be faithful to Adonai anymore. Okay, so this is the type of man that we're talking about here. Um, now the irony of this is that you know this Balaam here, he was a, a prophet for prophet. Okay, um, we might call that a prophet liar, right? Um, and, and yet this man. Who was hired by an enemy of Israel, and by all accounts, he wasn't a friend of Israel. And yet, the words that he spoke are uttered every Shabbat. How fair, how goodly are your tents, O Yaakov, your dwellings, O Yisrael. Every time that we have a Shabbat service at one of our functions, whether that's at Sukkot or Shavuot or something like that, one of the songs we sing, Ma Tovu o Halecha Yaakov, Mishkenotecha Yisrael. These are the words of Bilam. How goodly are your tents, Olecha Yaakov. Your dwelling places, Mishkenotecha Yisrael. These words which this, this man, this, this prophet for hire, spoke over the children of Israel, 3,000 plus years later, we're still saying those words in the form of a blessing. So the question here is, this man who was, did not have the right intentions, if we examine what took place, he wanted the money the whole reason why he agreed to go with Balak is because this man wanted to get paid. Okay, So his intentions weren't, weren't pure. And yet, this man's words 3,000 years later are still held in high esteem. So the question we have here is, if this man, whose deeds and thoughts were impure, his words are still known 3,000 years later. What's going on with the words we say? Does man who follows after other gods have more impactful words than we do? If we say our hearts are right and if we are committed to Adonai and if we are doing our best to serve Him, shouldn't our words carry more weight than this man? Well, the question is, what are the words that we're speaking? Are the words that we are speaking blessings over others? Or, unlike the man who had ulterior motives, who was prevented from cursing, do we, who claim to have pure motives, curse others? Maybe that's why our words are not being remembered Years later, are we standing above the children of Israel as Bilam did, looking at over the children of Israel and speaking blessings over them? Or are we finding every opportunity that we can to besmirch, criticize, complain about and slander others? Here's the thing. We all have differing opinions, right? None of us are going to agree 100% on 100% of the topics. But at the same time, is our speech hateful toward one another because of those differences? Or are we speaking blessings over one another? Scripture talks about this over and over and over. It says in James chapter 1 uh, verses 19 and 20 and verse 26, But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of Elohim. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Ouch. Is our religion worthless? If we don't bridle our tongues, that's exactly what James says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? He starts it off with this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, i become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, for those of you who are under the age of 40, you might not quite get this reference. For those that are over the age of 40... This actually should bring a mental image to your mind. You should, when you read this verse, there should be a, a, an image that um, you should remember, okay? See, if you're under 40, let me explain to you what's going on here, okay? So there was this show back in the 70s called The Gong Show, right? Now, think about it this way. For everyone who's under 40 and doesn't understand what I'm referencing, American Idol, okay? America's Got Talent, The Voice right? These different talent shows. That's what this was. Only here's what happened. There was this, there was a, a, and this was the original one, okay? There was a group of judges, you know, a panel of judges, and what their job was was to, um, you know, rate this talent. And so people would come on with their various talents. Now, it wasn't always, um, you know, super talented, okay? Sometimes people went on the show for one specific reason, all right? But here's what happened is that people would come on and they would entertain people by doing, showing off their talent. Well, at any point, one of the judges, instead of, you know, hitting an X if they pass, okay, because this is what they do on one of the shows is they, they all hit the button and then they're on to the next stage, right? No, that's not how it started. With the gong show, what actually happened was if your talent wasn't so talented, okay, They would go over and they would smash this big gong. And that was your signal. uh, You're done, buddy. Get off the stage. Okay? But a gong, okay, has this very, um, you know, resounding sound, very loud and kind of makes you shudder and, and, and wake up and say, what's going on? Okay? Well, this is exactly what we see here in 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul says, if you speak with the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, you're like that big. Well, that's not very peaceful. Okay. Um, and so what happens here is that we have, uh, you know, unfortunately become very much like that oftentimes. Now, for the same group of people who uh, recognize this, this gong show uh, reference. You'll also probably be very familiar with a phrase that, uh, you know, I uttered many times as a child, and I'm sure you did as well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? So now, this was a a phrase that we grew up saying. In other words, when someone would insult us as a child, this would be our response. Your words can't hurt me. You might hurt me with something physically, but your words mean nothing to me, because Words will never hurt me. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Obviously, that's not entirely accurate because words carry power. Okay? But we also live in a day and an age now, in this time, when your words, um, you know, they end up eliciting the response of words because anything you say is going to offend somebody. Okay? So we're like on the opposite extreme now, where no children grow up saying now, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Why? Because words hurt everybody. Okay? That's the, just the society that we've developed now, is that words are these big harmful things. And so if you simply, you know, say something and make a stand on something, all of a sudden you are offensive. Okay? Lord forbid that you might quote Scripture on certain topics then you are now a fear monger and someone who is espousing hate. Okay? Here's the thing, is that it's in our delivery, however, that we then come across in that fashion. Okay? So let me me put it to you a different way. All right, so um, for everyone in this room that is between the ages of 22 and 36, could you please stand up for me? If you are between the ages of 22 and 36, okay? All right, so I want everyone to look around. These are the people that are between the ages of 22 to 36. Guess what? They're millennials. Now, thank you. You may sit down. Here's the thing. We have a tendency to blame millennials for everything. Anything that is someone reacting with, words hurt me, we blame it because they're a millennial. Um, not necessarily. There's millennials that are in here that aren't reacting in that fashion. Millennials aren't responsible for everything that's going wrong in our society. And if anyone's currently in college, typically most of the kids that are in college, they're not millennials. Okay, so let's stop using millennial as a curse word. Okay, and blaming everything on a millennial because that's not the issue. Now, are those that are of a younger generation than some of us Were they raised with different values and have they picked up things from society that are different from what we have and what we value? Yes, this is the case. But here's the thing, that doesn't make it bad. So we need to be careful with how we are speaking with them and not disparage others because they don't have the same opinion that we have. The whole reason is because our words mean things, and words do hurt. So we need to be careful how we're coming across. Titus, uh, Paul wrote a letter to Titus, and in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient. Hmm. We could talk about that for a while. Paul's rem- re- reminding Titus to tell the people that are in fellowship with him, Remember, respect authority. Look, I can't stand Nancy Pelosi, okay, Uh, or Chuck Schumer, okay? That's just my personal opinion. I, I, I don't find anything that comes out of their mouths to be truthful, okay? Now, I still need to respect their authority. They were elected by our people. And they are representing our people, whether I agree with them or I disagree with them. My challenge is, I need to be respectful with how I speak about them as well. I can disagree with them. But what am I doing with the words of my mouth? Okay? Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one. Uh, except except when you disagree with them. N- uh, no, that's not in there. You can be nice to everyone you like or you agree with. but the ones you disagree with you can malign them all day. Uh, no, that's the wrong version. To malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Ecclesiastes 5. Verse 6 says, do not let your speech cause you to sin and do not say in the presence of the messenger of Elohim that it was a mistake. Why should Elohim be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Proverbs 21, 23 says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Now, I'm in no way saying, don't stand up for what's right. I'm in no way saying we should not communicate those things that are meaningful to society. I'm in no way saying that we shouldn't step up and say something when someone is espousing something that is wrong. What I am saying is we need to be extremely careful how we're doing so. Because it's very easy for people to completely disregard your message because of how it's delivered. Okay? I know this firsthand. Oftentimes, in person, online, either one, I've been accused of being arrogant, intimidating, things of this nature. I don't see myself that way. But sometimes I can be very passionate. And sometimes I can come across that way, apparently. I need to be careful when presenting myself so that if I'm truly trying to convince someone of something... They don't completely disregard what I'm I'm saying because of how I'm saying it. Okay? James. James had a lot to say about the tongue. Chapter 3. Now, if you read the entirety of chapter 3, he goes into great detail talking about how small the tongue is and how powerful it is. He compares it to the rudder on a ship. You know, for a, for a ship, you, you look at one of these, uh, you know, huge uh, aircraft carriers, it's a floating city, thousands of, of sailors on the ship, and yet it's got two rudders in the back that while they're fairly large, they're only like one to two percent of the size of the entire ship, and yet wherever those rudders turn, that directs the entire ship where it is to go. In the same way, Paul talks or James talks about how our tongue will guide your life. Because as small a member as it is, and yet everything that you say will then affect your life because it will affect how others perceive you as well. He says in verses 8 through 11, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God of Elohim. Think about this for a moment. When we curse somebody, when we say something denigrating to somebody, when we say something derogatory to someone, what we're saying basically is, you didn't do a good enough job on them. He's the one who fashioned them in their mother's womb. He's the one who brought them here to the world for a purpose. Now, I may completely disagree with what their stance is on something. But I also need to recognize that he's the one that fashioned them. And so as much as I might disagree with certain politicians and certain people that are pushing certain agendas in our society, I also need to recognize that all authority is established by him. And some of these people have been put there because he's allowed it to be. And so I need to be careful with what I say about them. I can disagree with them. But I have to be careful how I do that. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? In other words, if I am sitting here cursing my fellow man, how effective is my praise when I then turn to my king? And praise Him with that dirty mouth. Instead, if we speak to others in the same spirit that we're speaking to Him, then we'll be much more effective with our words. And guess what will happen? Maybe 3,000 years from now, someone will be talking about what we said. Matthew 15, verse 11. Yeshua Talking, being challenged on why he didn't wash his hands before eating. That's a whole other long topic of conversation. But one thing he says in there is, it's not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man. But what proceeds from the mouth that defiles the man. No amount of eating food with dirty hands will defile you but saying the wrong words could certainly do so. Colossians. In Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, he says several things about speech. Uh, uh, Chapter 3, verse 8, he says, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. He then goes on in the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, to say, let your speech always be with grace. As though seasoned with salt. So that you will know how you should respond to each person. Now, seasoned with salt. This is going to carry a very specific meaning to it. Okay? Salt takes several things. Um, especially in, in scriptural language. So, uh, we know that salt was used in covenants. To make a covenant with one another. There would be salt involved with that. We also know that every sacrifice that went on the altar. Would have been salted first. So when Paul here makes a reference to salt, we should think sacrificial system, what we're presenting to him. Let your speech be seasoned with salt as if it's going on an altar unto him. If our speech is in such a fashion that we consider it to be a sacrifice unto the Lord, I dare say there's some things we wouldn't be saying. Paul's letter to Titus again. Chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Now, here, the opponent should be put to shame, now we could we could derive several things from this. We could say, in one case, it's a matter of, of us uh, ha- addressing our opponent, the one who's trying to destroy our souls. okay? So we could reference and say, well, this is referring to the devil, Hasatan, whatever we want to call him, okay? The one who who is worrying about like a, a lion, okay? that opponent now we could also say that this simply means those with which we are interacting that are opposed to us let them give them no room to blame us nothing bad to say about us if we have sound speech Matthew 15:11 I already read that one The words of uh, of this prophet for hire, Bilam. These words have existed for over three thousand years now. They are used specifically to bless the children of Israel on Shabbat during a, a Shabbat service. All of Israel utters these words in the synagogue on Shabbat. How ironic! For us to think that a man who was not devoted unto Adonai would have consecrated speech. Speech that's then set aside and used for a holy purpose on a regular basis. There's power in words. Let's make sure that we wield that power appropriately. Let us not be accused of being a clashing gong. But rather, may our words, like the words of Balaam, be words that are uttered in much later generations as words of blessing. May the words we speak be remembered by future generations as a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the instruction your word brings. We ask that... uh, You would forgive us, Father, we repent of the things that we have said and the ways that we have said things that have brought dishonor to Your name. We repent, Father, for looking at our brother and calling him fool when You have told us not to do these things. Father, You know our challenges. You know that We are surrounded by a society that does not value what you value. We are faced with many challenges. We're faced with many ideologies that, quite frankly, are a very challenge for us to speak peaceably about. And we know that your kingdom is being assaulted by many of these things. And yet we also know that you are the defender of our faith. You are the great king. And there's nothing that we can do or say that will change what you are going to do. We ask that you would help us to be faithful witnesses. That we would be good representatives while we are given that opportunity here in this physical reality. Father, forgive us for speaking unpeaceably towards other people. And we ask that you would always keep us mindful of all these scriptures that teach us and tell us to watch the words of our mouth and know, may we always remember the example of Balaam, that words are lasting, particularly words of blessing are lasting. May we be a people that is known as having speech that, it, that generations later they can look at us and say what a generation that spoke blessings. Father we submit our lives to you. We surrender as, as servants of yours to your will. And we pray this in the name of your son, Yeshua. Amen.
4: We could all rise, please. And the Lord spoke in Moshe motion and said, tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Yisra'el.
2: Yivarechecha na vida kha bi khune kha yisa dona panha
4: Shalom. Shalom, Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom.